Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Reese Show, where we interview experts to help you understand where technology is headed and how it will impact society as a whole and also your daily life. Thanks so much for learning with us and enjoy the episode. Hello. Today, I interviewed Gene Kogan. Gene is, yeah, this amazing person who's thinking about he, he creates all this new AI generative art like Dolly and Midjourney. And he's thinking at a more deep level, though, about how to create these open systems and also how they connect to open and like to collective intelligence more generally. So thinking about how these AI assistants are going to provide us with interfaces to maximize our creativity. So if you're interested in the future of artificial intelligence and the kind of uh, environmental niches that AI is going to evolve into, especially around art, then definitely check out this episode. Thanks. Bye. Hello, fellow pluralists. My name is Reese. I'm the co-founder of Root, and welcome to The Reese Show. The century is a turning point in human history, and I'm here to help you navigate it. I hope you come away with a new understanding of the scientific, technological, and societal trends that are poised to radically reshape our world, and how you can work with those trends to become a live player in building a solar punk future. And to chat about building a solar punk future, I'm excited to chat with Gene Kogan today. Gene is an artist and programmer with interest in generative art, collective intelligence, autonomous systems, and computer science. He does a lot of those cool new Dolly-style uh, AI art experiments. Uh, Gene, thanks for being on the show and welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to dive in. And I think for, you know, both for your context and my context, I think, you know, the goal kind of is for the listeners to understand, you know, what is going to happen with... Um, you know, what does artificial intelligence and art look like in the next kind of 10 to 25 years? And also kind of like, how will these AI assistants continue to become a bigger and bigger part of our lives? So I think that's kind of what we're directioning towards. Uh, but before I want to like dive into that, I actually want to ask you, Gene, you're one of these like Twitter folks who's like interested in a lot of weird stuff. And so I guess I want to ask you, like, what was the catalyzing moment in your childhood that actually kicked off this feedback loop to make you curious and motivated about the world? Oh wow. Uh well that's that's a pretty hard that's a pretty hard <laughs> question to start with. Maybe for for a for the specifically for like AI and the, the kind of things that I'm interested in now, I would say video games probably. Like as a as a child I, I played um like different kinds of sports games on Nintendo, Super Nintendo, where I would play against the AI. And then once I got bored of beating the AI 99 nothing, I would start to watch the AI play against itself. And I was just kind of fascinated by this. I suppose it's kind of at the root of my interest in generative art too. And, um, and so I was just, you know, simulation and things like that really appealed to me. Like I was into SimCity. That was another game that I played a lot where I'd build, build these cities and then watch them kind of evolve. And so just kind of, you know, nurtured this interest in generative you know, is systems and, and to me, generative systems and, and AI are very closely linked. I suppose that that explains a lot of what what I'm interested in within AI. Uh, but yeah, I think to answer the question succinctly, probably games. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And it's it's amazing how much video games. I mean, for so many, and and for me, yeah, just thinking like you know, growing up playing StarCraft, and then you're playing the bots, and then my friends started to make some of these bots that they made their own, you know, and so it's like, okay, now they're battling versus you. And so trying to think from its perspective is really kind of powerful. And you can do it in a lot of different kind of game types. And I also just think about so amazing that the kids these days have Minecraft, you know, like what a great oh, yeah. uh, play space. 
So yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I actually, I, I, it's funny because I, I don't really play games that much now. Yeah. And so Minecraft kind of like came, I suppose, a little bit after my time. Same. But it is to me like large multiplayer universes feel like they're just full of so many hidden corners. It's like, you know, if you think the world is, you know, the human world is, is expansive and, uh, you know, pluralistic, you know, you can multiply that by a thousand times with games, you know, in principle. So, so all that stuff is, is definitely pretty fascinating. Yeah. I think, and like kind of diving in on that, the, the AI piece more generally, I think that, so like, we're in this interesting moment with artificial intelligence where we've seen kind of mid journey and Dolly and these like, you know, generative adversarial networks, these GANs that are kind of being able to create and generate um, ideas or ideas or, or content or whatever on the fly. How do you, it almost feels like, you know, like, tw- you know, two years ago or even six months ago, if you would have showed people like Dolly style or, you know, mid journey, people would be like, wow, that's amazing. But almost now it feels it was like optimized for Twitter feeds to kind of spread to our Twitter feeds. And it was like, oh, here's like all this stuff. And then now though, I don't know. I'm left wondering. It's almost like there's too much of it. There's too much abundance. It was like this new thing. And so I'm curious what you see as like the next steps with, and specifically let's just do AI plus art. Like it doesn't feel like that's the end game, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, the first generation of these, you know, sort of generative AI interfaces they're very much uh, kind of mostly revolve around the novelty of being able to generate images of anything that you want from text. And so, you know, with Dolly and Midjourney, uh, with, with, you know, with, with Abraham, I've been working on this Abraham also, which has a text to image interface in there. It's also kind of like, it's not, it's very, un- it's very uh, unconstrained. And I think, you know, people, there's a funny thing that happens when you show it to people. It's like, look, you can generate anything you want from these images. And so try it out. And they might ask like, oh, well, what should I make? Anything, you know, <laughs> and, then, and then they kind of like flatline from there. And, you know, it's like you give someone a blank piece of paper and it's it, it's it's like, you know, writer's block sets in immediately. And really what people want or need are tools that help them do the things that they already do. And so I think the next step for these things is to find, you know, downstream applications to actually, um, you know, to, so for example, you know, text to image is a very broad category. You can imagine uh, applications in a whole bunch of different fields. You know, if you're an architect, it could help you draft, you know, do, do uh, draft blueprints and, 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 and kind of designs for, for buildings. If you're a designer, it can help you make you know, design assets, things like that. And I think you'll see kind of like as you saw for language models like GPT-3 and all of that stuff, there was this kind of Cambrian explosion of different uh, use cases for all of those things that came along uh, after the initial novelty of the system, you know, wore off. And, and, and you know, you'll see them. It'll take a while to, to a, adoption will take, you know, a while. But uh, but that's kind of the next step is, is speciation. That's cool. Yeah. And I love the term speciation there. That's a great uh, term where it's like, hey, we have this Cambrian explosion. And then what are the species that actually emerge? Well, there's going to be a specific species that is um, some kind of architect blueprint thing where they say, hey, give me you know, 10 designs that are going to fit this kind of, it's a hundred, I don't know how architects work, but like two stories, hundred by a hundred, lots of windows, whatever they say. And then it'll kind of give them some stuff. They'll choose some and then it'll like, and, and so I guess there'll be like specific things for that. Yeah. 
yeah, exactly. And that and that's in the sort of text to image domain. But then you know this the the same principle applies to to audio and to text and and, and so you know uh, those audio in particular is is not quite as like um, mature yet as making images, but um, but it's not far behind. And so I think you'll probably see you know in the future kind of uh, audio workstations are going to have ways of uh, of producing sounds you know instead of instead of from sample packs it's like you can produce a sound that you need for something and maybe the interface to that is uh, text driven uh, so so i think yeah you'll see a lot more of that in all of the media yeah it's interesting because I, I think that there's like a and I agree. And I saw you had two tweets about both of these things recently, both of which are just like, yeah, oh my God, that's super true. And I remember seeing some of like the AI generated music and yes, yeah, it was okay, but it's also not, there's also a, I think when you think about these things, like what evolutionary niche will they kind of fall into? And I think that so many of the Dolly things fell into a Twitter or Instagram base. Like, okay, you can just boom, this like came in your feed. And I think music, like no one posts Spotify songs in the feed or whatever. So it'll probably be, I imagine it being something in TikTok where the TikTokers are able to create some kind of, like, it just has to be music native. And so it's like 15 or, you know, 60 second TikTok things. Do, do you agree with that? Or what do you think the evolutionary niche will be for this, some of the sound stuff? I think like it's it's harder to predict the culture that emerges around it than than the actual technology. I can understand why it doesn't work as well on Twitter because Twitter is like a very visual thing and 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 actually like a lot of social media in general is very sort of visually oriented. Uh so so you know but but people people do listen to music and 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 you know t- I I can I think you're right that that at least in TikTok music is is a big part of the the culture or sound anyway. And so um yeah, maybe maybe there's going to be ways of uh, of TikTokers, you know, kind of like producing. I I don't I don't want to predict too much like TikTok culture because I don't follow it that much, but but certainly like that as a technological capacity will will be very much available to them. And so you know, if if platforms are are ready to integrate it, then, then I think you'll see so a lot shall, more of it. It shall be integrated. Yeah, I think there's an interesting, yeah. I, and I agree with what you're saying too. Which is there's like kind of two forms of it. There's like the Dolly um, or like Mid Journey or um, you know Abraham form, which is just like, hey, uh, this thing exists and exists in the the memes that it creates. The like mimetic um, uh, outcome are these images that just like spread quickly but don't have long lasting retention. Versus these other ones, which are like, no, this is like for a thing that you're actually you're an architect and you're trying to get your job done and so there's like a different kind of mimetic niche there and similarly with the sound it's like oh like you're saying you know ableton or these digital audio workstations that's a different kind of mimetic niche it's like no these are sample packs that people will actively use then they're going to mess with them and as they're making them and then they'll end up as like a three minute song later but that's kind of like a different thing so tell me how actually i have a specific question which is abraham versus um, Dolly and Midjourney. What are the fundamental differences or similarities between those systems? I know very little about it. Yeah, Abraham is a little bit like Abraham is not specifically for having text image generation. I would consider that kind of like uh, you know the, the the real purpose behind Abraham that I've been really interested in for a long time is to make an autonomous artist. You know, this kind of like sovereign, you know, creative and original original um entity that makes art and so i I, dolly and midjourney are more like you know their their services where you can make art for yourself and and abraham kind of looks like that right now too because that's just kind of the state of the technology and making an autonomous artist at least you know to 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 satisfy 
my criteria for it is still something that's a little bit science fiction-y and, and kind of far off. And so Abraham is more this like, almost like this ideal that I'm that I'm building towards. But but for now, the, the they're they're more the same than they are different. Uh, there there's all there's you know there's a there's dimension there's different uh, dimensions we could talk about. So like, um, you know, compared to Dolly, for example, we're we're using open source software, so things that are a little bit more out in the open. Whereas Dolly is a little bit proprietary, and so it's hard to it's kind of hard to do much more than what OpenAI lets you. Um, and then, and then Midjourney is a little bit in between. It's also kind of in the same ecosystem that Abraham is in. We're using a lot of open models and and a lot of um, you know kind, kind of things that are a little bit more accessible. Um, accessible still the, this kind of you know you need compute, and so there's always like there's always a little bit of a catch, but it's um, but it's a, it's a lot closer to that than than Dolly. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's like, and so this autonomous artist idea is one. And for the listeners who aren't aware, this is like an idea. And the, I first heard of it with like Primavera de Filippi, who made like an, an initial yeah. Ethereum. Um, you have an Ethereum smart contract. It is this plantoid. You give the right. um, smart contract some ETH, and then eventually you get enough ETH to like create a physical being, this like robot that then an artist creates. And then that robot, then people are like, wow, that's a really cool piece of metal out in a Burning Man. And then people pay it more money and then it creates, it replicates. And so similarly, you're talking about a similar thing where people pay this kind of autonomous agent. And then that thing starts to create art. It pays for the compute. Those things get sold for ETH or whatever. And then kind of, um, you know, ETH NFTs or whatever. And so the cycle competes. Tell me though, how when you talk about this long-term vision of it, you're like, yo, what we have now is not at all what, like, what is like that that 30 or 50 year vision of like, this is what this autonomous yeah. agent was <laughs> art should do. Yeah, uh, I would I would definitely place it in this tradition and, and Primavera's project was a big inspiration. She actually did it on Bitcoin, believe it or not, even, even, oh, even before, back in the day, eventually it was in Bitcoin, now it's on Ethereum. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, in some ways the, the idea of making an autonomous agent is is certainly not new at all. It's like something that you know you. I mean, I, I'm um, I use mechanical ducks sometimes as an avatar on, uh, on Discord, and that's a reference to um, uh, the uh, digesting duck that was made by uh, Jean Jean I, I might be butchering the the name of the person who made it, but you know, people have been since antiquity. This is like the 1600s. You know, talk, trying to make automatons that you know can demonstrate that they are you know separate entities that they're not controlled by human beings and but it's 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 a lot more aspirational uh than you know because it's you know how do you actually do that uh, another project that was a big inspiration is aaron which was made by harold cohen who who died just a few years ago he worked for like 20 years 20 30 years i don't know um basically trying to mechanize his process making uh he he was an early uh using plotters to make uh you know large-scale robotic drawings and he tried to make a program that would you know basically paint kind of in his style and so there's there's kind of this tradition in computer arts uh, you know that's interested in making these these entities that are that are creative in some sense and 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 can make in and, and typically using ai and to some degree to give it to you know give it this automation aspect because that's that's really important to it and then more recently i was also inspired by a lot of uh ideas in, in from the from the space of DAOs. you know especially especially kind of early DAO writing before when the the a was more uh emphasized nowadays i think uh, nowadays i think DAO DAO just sort of means like a collection of people on d stands for discord yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly right 
Um, but um, but DAOs were, were super interesting. Art DAOs, in, in, for example, was a, a big big influence on the idea, and that kind of gave me the idea of how to how to really get this autonomous aspect to it. Um, and not just that, there's also there was also been a lot of uh, interesting work. I follow machine learning primarily, and in machine learning, there's uh, a lot of I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a, a, a particular subset of machine learning that's interested in kind of decentralizing aspects of the machine learning process, decentralizing, for example, data collection, decentralizing even the compute, like the training and the inference of models. And all of those things can help you make more decentralized systems. And then to me, like, you know, what DAOs really show are the, is the connection between decentralization and autonomy. And so I kind of view decentralization as a means of making something autonomous as a means of, of, of getting it away from my own control. And, and that's the only way that I feel like it could qualify as its own agent because, you know, the, as, as inspiring as something like Aaron was to me, uh, Harold Cohen's Aaron, it was really, it was Harold Cohen, you know, like, like I kind of think Aaron is like Harold Cohen is kind of like a ventriloquist and Aaron is the dummy, you know, you're kind of speaking through through the the agent and i think you know if there's some way that we could distribute this process crowdsource it and then it it starts to surprise me like i can't really predict what it's going to make and then it starts to feel like a separate you know entity to me and so that's kind of to go back to the original question that's basically the 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 real like 30 to 50 year uh aim of abraham and 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 right now we're not even close like i, I would say um so you know Doesn't just text do... image as a service yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's great. I mean, and I think that well, a, it's cool to hear about. I love just like I just Googled Harold Cohen and I'm, I'm excited to look at Aaron. And I think that the um, I think, yeah, it's I feel like, yeah, we're not that I guess like the version of it now in some ways it is an autonomous artist in that it's just doing text. It's a text to image as a service, which is kind of like art. It's kind of like telling your you can imagine it as like an artist who's a really hard worker who you come to and you say, hey, make this art, make this art, make this art. And it's doing a good job of that. But I guess is is the thing that would make it more autonomous is for it to self-generate the like the text ideas or what would make it more autonomous you know yeah it, it's it's uh it's a large design space so that so that's yeah. you know one way of doing it would that you would mechanize the process of of coming up with the text inputs and you know that's probably a step in that direction uh one like i i've always been interested in kind of like using collective human intelligence as a vehicle towards towards it is a form of automation in the sense that, that again, it's like, it becomes like, if I could take many, many people and use their inputs to kind of steer or guide this artist so that it's not just my influence, then to me, there's, there's kind of, um, uh, I, I kind of compare it to like the hive mind, you know, the idea of hive mind or collective intelligences, you know, there is some, some cultural kind of, um, uh, acceptance of the idea that there is this emergent mind that you get from, uh, you know, from a group of aligned agents that are all sort of like, you know, working together in a, in a way. And so there's, uh, and so I'm, I'm kind of interested also in, in systems that, that use a lot of human input, basically. Um, but, and, and of course, like, you know, using another AI that's trained on text inputs to generate more text inputs is, is, is certainly a form of that. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, that's definitely, it's a large design space and I'm, I'm hoping to kind of like, well, create some, some, some infrastructure so that we can actually experiment with all of them and, 
and and kind of see what see what works yeah that's cool i think one thing that makes me think it was just like I, I love chatting with folks who are at the edge of new design spaces. I'm thinking about um, the folks, um, Josh Bongard and Michael Levin, who are creating the Institute for Computationally Designed Organisms, and they talk about morphology space. And it's just like, yeah, they created this little Xenobot, which is the first little thing of like this massive design space that's going to happen. And what you're talking about is like, hey, there's these huge design spaces of Anything can be on the left side, any kind of input. It can be text, it can be speech, it can be whatever. It can be these collective and it can be the collective intelligence where you just take a bunch of Twitter word clouds and put it in, or it can be an AI train on those things that then creates text inputs thing. And then there's a bunch of outputs. The outputs can be art, the outputs can be music, the outputs can be um uh you know digital audio, you know, stuff for like specific workers, professionals. And so just like seeing these new spaces emerge is something that I, I'm really interested in. Do you think totally so so thinking about I guess the specifics of like, I, I guess I'm curious for your take on like, what do you think about the future of AI assistance more generally? And maybe you're coming from like your AI art lens, but maybe kind of expanding the scope a bit and saying, okay, we know we have, um, you know, GitHub, GitHub Copilot, and there's been some like Figma things that can create designs, mocks. And then we also have obviously the whole world of chess and like these centaur people who are both, there's the chess side that they play, but there's also the, the, the you know, these, these kids who are born and raised with AI helping them. So tell me, how do you think about the future of AI assistance and or centaurs? Yeah, uh, well, I think a, a, obviously there's a ton of of interest in it. So, so for one thing, it, it's actually a lot older than than we really think. And in, in, in a lot of ways, you know, computers are, already are AI assistants. Uh, AI just used to basically mean computers if you go back to the 1950s. And, and there's this kind of joke that, that AI just means anything that computers can't do yet. Uh, so, you know, computers are assistive objects. And so this just represents like continual sophistication and, and kind of, you know, climbing the stack of, of, of like, you know, get going up tiers of, of complexity. And I think that will certainly continue. And, and I think one thing that makes this time unique is that it, it does feel like it's beginning to feel like relatable to people. Like, you know, it was a very academic thing for a long time, but now there are actually products that people are beginning to to experiment with, and and I think you know just to be even level headed, I, I feel like those products still are are still kind of more novelty, and and they they there is a, a curve, there's a learning curve, and there's kind of you know it'll take time for the, them to become you know kind of kind of like really part of the economy, but um, but absolutely, I, I I think that that assistive AI is is. Uh, will just continue to grow, and and you're seeing it a lot in mostly in in sort of these media applications. Uh, in 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 all of the applications you mentioned, there's kind of it's like a pr- production of different kinds of media, and so probably um, you know probably it'll yeah I I, I just kind of see it it growing in in the meanwhile. Yeah, and do you think? And it is cool to, as a reminder of like yeah, compute. I'm reminded of that. Uh, that fun image from, I forget, or it's like a little video where it shows, here's what a desk looked like before a computer. And you had your filing cabinet and you had the um, calendar and you had all these things. And then they all like became apps that then went into the computer. And so there is some kind of like externalized, yeah, it's like, you know, being able to, it does, it's a way to help us assist us in all these ways. It's not just AI, but like computers obviously are amazing for this. Do you think, I want to, I want to push on that a bit though, which is like, I guess, do you think, I don't know, like the future 
I mean, are there going to be jobs of like people who are going to be AI inputters, you know, or are there going to be, do we as people need to learn how to be centaurs in better ways? And like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm still curious for your kind of like, yeah, how will this look? What will it look like? Yeah. Well, I mean, a, a lot of what makes them really valuable now is that they make things on computers easier, you know? So, mm-hmm. so if you like, for example, I, I can barely use Photoshop. <laughs> it's and it's not because Photoshop is necessarily is necessarily that complicated, but there is a training process, and it's a little bit you know you have to learn what all the buttons do, and it's a little bit unintuitive. And then in the future, you know that just gets replaced by natural language interface, which is something that people are are really really good at. And so in a way, this this just makes the the interface a lot a lot more intuitive, and 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 it makes it it just it just narrows this gap where uh, you previously needed certain kinds of skills in order to get the computer to do something. And now this just kind of begins to to edge away at that so that really all you need is kind of like imagination and a little bit of interface. Um, I, th- I think people tend to, you know, the first applications tend to be uh, of new technologies tend to be very like skeuomorphic. Uh, that was, uh, that's a word that I <laughs> became familiar with recently. It's kind of, it's kind of the idea that, you know, you, um, you, well, okay, so like, you know, computers, they take filing cabinets and they make that into an app. And so we use kind of these legacy ideas to to get ourselves familiar with the new technology. But the, the new technology really takes off when when you start to create new things that are very much native to the technology itself, like things that you couldn't do before. It's not just, you know, this plus AI, but, but it's just a, a completely new thing. So for, for me, like when I look at, for example, production of, of art assets, you know, art, like visual art and music. I think where that starts to become interesting is, is I mean, the, the core thing isn't that we can create music suddenly. It's like, of course, we've been able to make music forever. And the music that AIs make isn't, isn't better than the music that, that humans make. But, but the, the difference is that you can, you know, whereas it used to take a musician, you know, a whole bunch of, of time and, and energy and calories and and sleep and everything in order to produce, uh, you know, pieces of music, you can do it really cheaply on the fly. And so now you can just create more and more music. Now, um, you know, so, so there's a funny thing where, where, what is that good for exactly? Like if you, what, what, you know, if it's not like we, we have any more time to consume music than we used to, so what's the good of having more of it? I think the, the, the good of it, or at least I shouldn't say the good of it, but but just kind of like to be neutral, like what are the applications that I see kind of gravitating towards, the, you know, taking advantage of this is is things that kind of like are more customized, are more kind of serendipitous, like made for the moment, for uh, a specific scenario, for a specific person at a specific time. Um, you know, maybe in the future, a lot of the music we consume is made on the spot, basically, and and and, it, and there's kind of. So, so things, things like that, I, I bet are, are kind of, you know, where I could see the technology really, uh, making fundamentally new things. Cool. Yeah, no, that's great. I think, I mean, a lot of cool things in there, but the first is I like this idea of, yeah, we're just it, like, 
and I, I like what you your breakdown like there's human creativity on one side and then there's the interface and then there's the output and so like the interfaces have been hard in the past like drawing with freaking like watercolors or oil paint like oh my god and then we got photoshop which is still like you know you click on the top and there's too many buttons way too many buttons and so in the future right. um you know you can you can type it you can say it and then obviously in the future future it'll just like kind of like get sucked out of our brains, you know? Um, and so um, that yeah. is, I think that progression is true and cool. And I think I, I also agree with your, yeah, the skeuomorphic versus like, like medium native. I wish we had a term for like, like anti skeuomorphic or whatever, where it's like, this is a, the medium that it's built in, this is native and optimized for that medium. And it makes me think of, there's a specific uh, video that I watched recently, which was a music video that did um, GAN generation for the lyrics. So all the lyrics were input to the video. And so it was like a video that was actually, it was a music video created by AIs based off of the lyrics. And it just actually, it was like a fundamentally new thing that was, that, that, that was really cool. Um, and so it also makes me, and I, I also agree with your thing of like this, like just like what this will look like is these like just in time things or whatever. It's like, Oh, boom, hyper-personalized, hyper in the moment. This is the exact music you want. And it's for the specific thing or whatever. Boom. You can create it because the friction is low enough. Um, so I want to actually transition to, um, chatting a little bit about this, like what information wants thing. And and so to kind of give you and the listeners a bit more on what, what the deal is here. So it's a book that I'm writing. Um, it's about, it's like a big history book um, from the Big Bang through now. It thinks about how information evolves. And first it, it looks at like, re- and especially from replicators. So we have genes that um, replicate to make the tree of life. They made all of this crazy. They evolved into these environmental niches, um, birds in the sky and fish in the water. And then we have uh, memes, these ideas that we can share from mind to mind, not just internet memes, but like Dawkins memes that then evolved into all these other niches and created the tree. Humanity, you know, covered the earth. We have the tree of technology and the tree of ideas, both religions and also factories and all these things. And so that is true and it's happening. But there's, I think, and I'm not sure, and this is where I want your advice or thoughts, is like, there might also be this like new third replicator, which is like these AI based, I might call them like keems, like these computer memes. Um, and, and there's like this fundamentally new substrate, which is zeros and ones and like fundamentally new kind of computation mechanisms that provide new like creativity and experimentation. And that that then is starting to evolve into its own kind of niches that are both kind of the same as what memes would evolve into like the same like idea of a painting is kind of competing with the same i same like painting from a computer artist but there might also be some like new fundamental ways that it's actually evolving into new niches so i guess tell me what what do you think about that do you think these like new computer memes are they real these keems what what are your thoughts yeah um well i guess like the way well so the again, I, I I try to go back to fundamentals and think about what's what's different between the kind of information that's being produced by by these things as opposed to you know prior information. In um, one sense, is like the, the the biggest thing is abundance. You know that that it can be like hyper specific, hyper personalized, and so you know I guess what information wants, you know, in the sense like the selfish gene, the selfish meme, it, it wants to replicate, it wants to kind of spread. And so, and so, and, and there's funny thing is that, you know, I'm kind of thinking about this on the fly because it's something I haven't considered too much, but, but I would say you know, great, there's great. a, there's a tension a little bit between hyper sort of 
hyper specificity and uh, replication because you know in a way that's like it's like do does everyone see a different thing or or is there some kind of you know like are we all in in the version of the world that I that I was just talking about it's like almost everyone is watching their own TV shows just just for them and so then it, in a, in a sense like the the information is disposed of it doesn't actually replicate and so so I guess you know. If information wants to replicate, there needs to be some mechanism that does replicate it. And I, I suppose, you know, there's something very, it's, it's, it's got to be a social mechanism because why would we all watch the same TV show when we can watch a, a separate one? It's because, you know, humans want to relate to each other or, or use information to kind of, you know, agree, like, well, you know, to, to share a particular culture, to, to learn, to, to, to kind of, um, you know, understand the norms of society through them you know as an example or something but um, i love that no so, i think so yeah no i, th oh, I think that's yeah, great i think i think that like thinking of it um i think that what you're hitting at is super true which is um and as i've and i'm just at the beginning by the way I like chatting with more ai folks about this so just like um so yeah we're co-sharing co this space i think that the 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 hyper abundance versus the um the like it's like okay you have this hyper specific thing where it's like i can essentially get a perfect dolly thing that i want or a perfect little like music that i want and i have it now but then nobody else has it but but the the cost of because in the past the weird thing is that it was easy for like genes to be like oh this organism worked in the water let's just make another fish because it seemed to work last time so just like let's roll it back let's do the same thing but now it's like, and I agree with what you're saying, which is like the thing that might replicate, it, you, there might be some desires for like mutual intelligibility because like we do have those desires like culturally. I also wonder if the thing that might be replicating is like the thing that generates the kind of, because you can think about those environmental niches and then the thing that's like winning is like transformers or something that like that, that new architecture is the thing that's actually going to replicate and succeed because it is like powerful at, involving into those niches so, and I, I guess i wonder uh, maybe a question for you here is thinking specifically and almost like mechanistically or computer science-ly about the um just like these new like architectures and something like and i again I, i'm a computer science guy but don't know i and know some about about transformers but not deeply how do you think about like if you think about at the at the like computational level and like you know you have the encoding into the, like the latent or whatever and then and then you have the like the decoding of the thing and like how do you think about like what kinds what are the like inevitable like forms maybe that might result at like the transformer level itself can you can you clarify like for what sort of forms uh what do you mean by forms yeah i guess what i mean is like is there going to be um yeah what's the way that i want to ask i guess like if you imagine um there is so we had a bunch of different um I, yeah i guess the easiest way to ask is something like and or maybe from a generative adversarial network perspective it's like is there going to be like a like we can think of environmental niches from a higher level of abstraction which is like what the humans want and we can say oh the humans want nice art okay great it creates nice art but then there's also a niche that might exist at a lower level of abstraction at like the computational level or the com it's like, are there other niches that AIs are likely to evolve into? Hmm. Well, I, I guess like to talking about different kinds of architectures, uh, neural networks to me, I think even though the, the analogy uh, uh, between 
them and brains is is you know maybe uh obviously it's it's like it's a little a little bit uh it's not exactly analogous but but i like to think of them a little bit that they're they're sort of like you know mechanistic uh versions of brains that you know can be can be duplicated and and kind of hosted in different places and we're creating a lot of these like uh these very large models which are being not not only kind of deployed in various places but they're also kind of uh feeding smaller uh networks downstream like one of the things that that will probably happen in um you know on the engineering side as the as the technology evolves like we're we're building these extremely large uh neural networks that are uh, very difficult to you know they're intrinsically kind of centralizing you need you need a lot of resources to run them and so you know for the sake of of um being pragmatic and and being able to serve applications downstream these they're they're kind of called foundation models to some people have started using that as a nickname they're these very large you know dolly and gpt3 extremely they're foundational and then and then uh but you can kind of modularize them to a degree where where you use the big models to kind of you know feed smaller models downstream that are maybe more application specific or or the the criteria or, or what they're trying to accomplish has is is more um you know use use case specific and so you know i i would i, I kind of see that coming and um you know maybe they they feed other networks that are uh, that are smaller and more manageable you can run them locally for example and so so I don't know if that that really that's answers great. the no. question, but yeah, no, no, that's I think that's I mean that's super connected. Which is like you have it's almost like because you can imagine it's like information is pattern, and so like one of the patterns, one of the informational patterns that is going to emerge is just like hey, you take these Dolly models, which is like and I'm not sure exactly how how Dolly and these other huge models work, but it's kind of like feed me all of the internet kind of or whatever, and then like from and then let's make a model, aka a thing that takes um so so feed me all the internet and then when you feed me all of the internet what you have is a, a like this this model that takes these and i don't totally get this but it takes these inputs on one side and it creates these like it is is the model a um does it have like it has hey if you give it a certain set of words then it has like the main thing that it contains is some kind of like a conceptual latent of how that model like looks like an like an n-dimensional vector is that primarily what it is? Not not all models work exactly like that. Like okay. you know, so generative adversarial networks, uh, you that's a, a pretty decent analogy. That there's this kind of this latent space. But then, for example, like like the things like Dolly are using. They're not using GANs. They're using uh, like well, Dolly and Imogen. They're they're using diffusion models, which don't really exactly have uh, quite the same interpretation like of a of a latent space they 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 work slightly different it's not that you can't there there's there's definitely some parallel analogy that they do have this kind of you could say that they have uh, some kind of a high level understanding that they've sort of vectorized all of the information and then then they have these kind of you know high level conceptions that emerge from that but but that it doesn't necessarily uh that you don't have like a single latent vector for example in 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 those so um so you know it's but 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 it's uh for at least for for gans and and um and actually like transformers you could you could make the case too that they they basically have something like that they're encoder decoder systems so you have this um yeah you have this kind of conceptual space that conceptual space can be periodically updated with new information 
Um, one thing I keep thinking about is what happens when you start to feed in the information that, that you know, these kinds of systems produce. Like if the internet becomes more and more full of AI generated content, does that become the training data as well? And then it, it just kind of gets away from human beings altogether, which is a really, just a really funny, or I mean, I shouldn't say funny. It's, it's like maybe even terrifying, but, but a scenario that is, is worth contemplating. Yeah, no, I love, I think there's a couple, I mean, a, it, um, and what I think I've learned from this is like a good way for me to start these like AI conversations with people is like to be like, Hey, tell me in your words, like how something like a GAN works, you know, so that we can just start to be using the same language. And then, but, but I think a lot of the things that you said are really, um, interesting there, which is a, that yeah, lots of these models have a similar thing, which is they take some kind of tons of information training data, and then they turn it into some kind of latent space or vectorized kind of conceptual space. And then it kind of gets updated over time with like its concepts of like how the world works, like given this, what will happen or given this, what is the like concept? Um, And as you said, yeah, I super agree that there is, and people talk about as like one of the feedback loops that drove um, some like MAGA Trump stuff, which is that, you know, AI bots were kind of shifting the Overton window with really aggressive, um, like, oh, what, you know, what, what about, oh, so much immigration, so intense or whatever. And then people, but they were saying things that were more aggressive. And then that then allowed the people to be, to not be that aggressive, but to still the Overton window was shifting. And so they started to say more stuff like keep everybody out or whatever it may have been, you know, build a wall which would have been less okay in the past, but like the bots shifted the Overton window and then the bots could kind of like continue to shift it further. So um, yeah, that's, that will, yeah, we'll hopefully it won't be too intense, but excited for that. Um, as a final wrap moment, I guess I want to know, yeah, I mean, I guess that the primary, I guess, I guess, I guess a couple things. One is, do you think, I do want to ask a, a, a lightning round of overrated and underrated. Um, and okay. so you just uh, 30 seconds of whether you think the thing is overrated or underrated. And I guess the first okay. thing is just Dolly. Do you think Dolly is overrated or underrated? Uh, it depends on what, which dimension, but overrated because, uh, like, do I get to answer these or do I yes, just say yeah, overrated? You get to say, yeah. Yeah. And why? Oh, yep. oh, I, oh yeah. I, I think overrated. I, okay. Well, yeah, this is a tricky one. I, I think overrated for me, it's overrated because, you know, I, I, I want sovereignty, you know? And so I think like there's a, there is a little bit of a tension with the, with the, um, you know, the, the permission and open uh, permission closed view of the world that, that I, I feel like open AI is at least for now uh, going for ironically enough. And, and so overrated. <laughs> I love that. And I love, I love the version of things. It's like, it could be called, why not call it closed AI more like closed AI, yeah, you know, yeah. it's um, a bit of a running joke by now. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that. That's hilarious. That's, I'm glad that that joke exists. Um, and then the other do you think that, yeah, do you think GANs are overrated or underrated? They're probably overrated just because, um, you know, they, they stole all the spotlight for a few years and they were and they were very much, mo- most of the advances were kind of GAN oriented. But now people use GANs as a stand-in for all kinds of generative models, even though they're, even though now there's, there's, there's different kinds of generative models which are not GANs anymore. And they're very much competitive with them, transformers, diffusion models, flow models, all this kind of stuff. Um, but it's kind of like Band-Aid is what you say, you know, Band-Aid was a brand name for bandages and everyone, you know, it's like Kleenex and things like that. I think you think with GANs, you, you see that now. Um, I love it. Yeah. But and you said not that their GANs are still amazing, but. You know. 
there's, and you said there's, uh, there's GANs and then there's diffusion models. And what was the the other one that you said? No, there's like flow models. There, there's different categories. There's the autoregressive models. There's LSTMs and, and RNA. Uh-huh. You know, there's there's a, a whole family. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, models. yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, well, Gene, so thank you so much for, for our time now. But I think, A, thank you for – it's cool to hear – just yeah, I mean th- this pushing the bounds of what um, art means in this kind of digital, computerized, hyper networked collective intelligence age. I think that's really awesome. And so, so a for folks, if you want to learn more about Gene, he has a great Twitter. So go to uh, Gene Kogan. That's G E N E K O G A N G A N again. Um, Gene Kogan on Twitter. Also check out he has he has a lot of cool. Um, you can join this Abraham AI community if you're looking to. Um, experiment with these kind of autonomous AI agents and these text image models. And he also has a bunch of other cool things like a, a, um, like a ML for a ML for all vibe of like yep. machine learning for artists. So if you're an artist that wants to learn more about that, check that out. Or this like really weird thing called Mars college, which is like a, pl- like a community that joins in the desert, like once a year and um, like hacks on stuff. So um, anything else you want to say, Gene, to our listeners? Uh, yeah, the, if you're interested in any of that, I'm I'm on Twitter and Discord, and and I'm happy to hear from people. I'm I, I have all these things that that I I hope kind of reach people and are you know broadly useful to them. So if any of it is interesting to you, then please you know reach out to me. Beautiful, that sounds great. Yep, slide into his DMs. Um, always open. And uh, thank you so much, Gene, for coming, and thank you everybody for listening. Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening today. If you like the show please give us a five-star podcast review or subscribe on YouTube. And if you'd like to chat about this episode with a community of amazing, smart, ambitious, divergent people, come on by and join our Discord. You can find it at root.co. That's R-O-O-T-E dot co. And then finally, if you'd like to contribute to these ideas being shared more widely in society, you can support the podcast production team at patreon.com slash Lindmark. That's patreon.com slash R-H-Y-S-L-I-N-D-M-A-R-K. Thank you so much.